0: Give us some men who know the truth and who will declare the truth and who will stand with
1: Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards
0: and who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. serious
1: All right. Hello, children. We're back. Hey there. <laughs> See? He's over there. I'm over here, and we're here to tell you that the truth used to be out there. <laughs> used to be out there. Do you ever watch that show?
0: Which one? Do you ever
1: watch The X-Files?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. That was
1: the punchline, the truth is out there. Well, that was the 90s, back when we you know, had hope and stuff. That's right. Yes. Man, it's been so long since I've watched
2: that. I used to love Agents... Scully and Mulder. Mulder. Yes,
1: Fox Mulder and oh, Dana Scully. Oh, yeah. there's a pull from my brain somewhere. Yep. So yeah, we are going to talk about the truth today because it used to be out there, but it isn't any longer. And I've already warned Lou that the punchline of today's news story is not a news story. It's actually an op-ed, but it is the author's byline. It's just Mwah, chef's kiss. It is. It is a thing of beauty <laughs> because it is an encapsulation of everything that is wrong with the world. Okay. Before we get to everything that's wrong with the world, though, let's actually establish a foundation for, maybe in this case, what is actually wrong with the world. And so we're going to go to everybody's favorite book, the book of Jude, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, I know that one. Because <laughs> if, if you're being honest, like if you polled the average Christian, you'd be like, name, recite from me a verse from Jude. They'd be like, um, 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 um. oh, and then they would know, too. If they thought about it for a second. They would know faith once for all handed down to the saints. Yep, that yep. comes from Jude. Mm-hmm. And they would know the benediction, the um the doxology at the end. Which is now him who's able to keep you from stumbling and make you stay in his presence yeah. with a great joy. Uh-huh. You know, to him be glory and honor and blah, 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 and all that stuff that I can remember. It's such remember. a short book. It is. First book I ever preached through. Wow. Twenty five verses took me six weeks to do it. <laughs> That's oh, wow. how many sections are in it. Okay. So <clears throat> I did not grab my sermon notes for today, so <laughs> Although I was tempted. <laughs> but we are going to start right smack dab in the middle in one of the sections. Now, I know that's a big, big, big no-no, so before we do that, we will go back to the beginning real, real quick. So this is like super fast lightning round speed. You ready?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Letter from Jude, bondservant of Jesus, brother of James. So that is brother of James, pillar of the church in Jerusalem, half-brother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's the historical understanding. He's writing to the church. He wants to encourage them, but he can't. Why can't he? Because there have been certain persons who have snuck in and are making a mess out of, well, pretty much everything. And that's the problem. Now, the warning that comes directly before this passage is your lead in, which is that um, realize that those who fall away, those who are not of the truth, they will be judged. They will be judged. Now, there's your quick and dirty seven verses of Jude. Fair, right. Fair. Okay, let me get my water going. With that said, <clears throat> me. With that said, what about these people who have snuck in? What exactly are they, or what are they like? That's what Jude is going to make sure you understand. In the same way, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Now, this is where it starts getting a little bit difficult because you're dealing with people who are warring against God. Right. So when you're talking about reject authority and revile angelic majesty, majesties, well, what is the authority that Jude is leaning on? He wants to defend the faith once for all handed down to the saints. He's defending scripture, right. the authority given to the church, to the people of God, by God, because ultimately all authority comes from God. Oh, us. Yeah. Always remember that. Yeah. Now, what do we mean when we say revile angelic majesties? Well, this is actually simple. Don't make it really complicated. Um, what's the purpose of the angels? oh they do the will of God. They do the will of God. Right. So to despise that, to look down upon that, to revile against that, is really again to revile whose authority? God. God's.
2: Of course. Yeah. So
1: you're dealing. You, you hate his messenger because you hate him. Which, by the way, Christian is why they hate you. Jesus told you that. As an example of what this should be like, Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You mean he didn't say, I bind you? No, he didn't. There was no binding and loosing that day. Okay. Now, this is apocryphal. Sorry, folks. No, 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 no. That was actually the point we're getting ready to make. Yeah. No, you're right there. Yeah. This is an apocryphal story, the, the assumption of Moses here. So what we're dealing in now, remember from your history, Moses goes up with Mount Nebo, right? My brain just stopped. Yeah. Moses goes up Mount Nebo. Don't quote me on that, kids. Read your Old Testament. It'll do you good. Moses goes up Mount Nebo and dies. Right. And the Lord buries him so that Moses, nobody knows where Moses is buried, so that Moses' grave will not become a shrine. He won't become an idol. Right. Because, you know, it's not like- Israel, they would. Yeah, it's not like Israel would ever do a thing like that. Yeah. What is it? Is it Hezekiah or Josiah that has to destroy the bronze serpent? Again, read your Old oh, Testament. Do you good? Boy,
2: this is a trivia. I, I did not you, it's come one, prepared. It's
1: one of those two. I, part of me is saying it's Josiah. Again, don't quote me on that, kids.
2: Yeah, because they they were yeah they were definitely. But worse. just
1: just realize how broken you have to be as a people that the bronze serpent that was the symbol of salvation and the healing of the Lord to the people of the Exodus has to be destroyed because they had made it such an idol. How broken are you as a people yeah. that this thing had, that had lasted for hundreds of years in the temple? And should have been a monument to God in His redemptive mercy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is instead an idolatrous shrine. To the point that the king's like, we can't redeem this. Yeah. Imagine, for all of you people that say we can redeem this aspect of the culture, you couldn't redeem the bronze serpent. It was so far gone, and the people were so far gone with it that the king looked at it and said, "There's no saving this. Destroy it. Melt it down. Burn. Literally, burn, burn it, it with fire." fire.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Israel though is a microcosm of the depravity of humanity. They in general. absolutely are. It's one of the reasons so why I truly love
1: Israel, right. because it's like they're they're the mirror. They're like the mirror. Yeah, they yeah. are. It's like looking at Israel is like looking into a mirror. Mm-hmm. So we remind you all of, of all of that because mm-hmm. Jude is pointing to this apocryphal example of the angel. Mm-hmm. There are only two named angels in the Old Testament: Gabriel and Michael. Well, in the yeah. Bible, Gabriel and Michael, yeah. which not coincidentally are the two son-in-laws of my mother-in-law
2: well that's interesting just
1: two girls and one married michael me and the my wife's sister married a gabriel that's interesting we always like to remind her of that every chance we get Like, don't mess with this lady
0: that's so funny
2: so we will smite you
1: yes there will be smiting fun will be had by all (laughs) so an angel realize the power of angels Killing 185,000 Assyrians, you know, in the middle of the night with no issues.
2: They could have killed them all, but they left one to go back and tell them what happened. Can
1: wipe you out at the drop of a hat. Sends on a mission from God to grab the body of Moses. When encountering Satan, doesn't rebuke Satan directly, but like, God will deal with you. That power under control, not being exercised, you know, willy-nilly, but trusting in God to accomplish his purposes. Angels do that. Who do you think you are?
2: <laughs> right.
1: Who Seriously, who do you think you are? Yep. You don't have this kind of authority. It is God who has authority. Again, this is why we don't revile. This is why we lean and we rest in Christ because his authority is the authority for all and his authority is the authority we rest upon. So there will be no binding and loosing by you. Binding and loosing is done by God. Always remember that verse is pulled out of context in Matthew. Whatever you ha- whatever you loose has been loosed in heaven and vice versa. This means you're just confirming what God has already done. You're not changing God's mind or decreeing and declaring any old thing. Right. So I'm going to get off my soapbox before I get annoyed. <laughs> so Jude is using this as an example. You rest in God. The Lord rebuke you. But these men. These certain persons who have crept in unnoticed. These men revile the things which they do not understand. And the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. When we talk about understanding your world, this is your First Corinthians 1 and 2 in action. Mm-hmm. So remember 1 Corinthians 1. The, the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men, right? Okay. So you would rather rest in the folly of God than the wisdom of men because the wisdom of men will get you nowhere. Now, likewise, go back and listen to last week. We talked about some of this, the contrast of wisdom and foolishness and what it should look like. Hmm. These men don't understand wisdom. Therefore, they are reviling the things that are wisdom because they can't understand them. The natural man cannot accept the things of the spirit because they are spiritually appraised, 1 Corinthians Mm 2.14. You, Christian, having the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16, are supposed to be able to see that from the outside looking in and go, I'm not supposed to live like that. I'm not supposed to walk like that and you're not supposed to talk like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was a that theme is a very prominent theme in a lot of yes. Paul's writings. I mean if you look at Romans eight, for example, there's this constant back and forth of the fleshly versus the spiritual and the enmity that people in the flesh have towards God and his law and and, and everything that God stands for.
1: And understanding that because you are different, you are supposed to actually think differently and therefore live differently. Right. You go all the way back to the first book of the New Testament. I'm dying on that hill. James, I've, I've, I've told people, if you want, you're quick, right, yeah. if you want a quick primer on James, when you read chapter one of James and even going into chapter two, whenever you read the word wisdom, just hear sanctification in your mind. In the book, will make perfect sense to you. People get hung up on James. They're like, I don't understand. It feels like a lot of working and thinking and doing. Whenever you see, whenever you read wisdom in James, just hear sanctification, because that's where wisdom is leading you towards. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. James is James is expounding upon the gospel. James just. In his context, writing to the church didn't think he had to explain it to them because he figured they knew it. Well, they did. <laughs> they, well, they, they did. But the i getting at is James doesn't have a great exposition of the gospel because he doesn't figure they need it because they know it and they're living it out. He's trying to encourage them what that living out under persecution looks like. Yeah. So when you read your Bible, you can't see the people of God following after the will of God to accomplish the work of God without living and thinking wisely. This is why, Paul, you you mentioned Romans. Be Mm -hmm. transformed by the renewing of your mind so Mm -hmm. that you may prove what the will of God is. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to think. We've said this before. Christianity is a thinking religion. You can't turn your brain off and just go along with the world. That's what it looks like to be on shifting sand. That's what it looks like to not be rooted. That's what it looks like to be tossed about by every wind and wave of doctrine.
2: That's exactly the passage (laughs) I was thinking in my head when you said that. I was like, yes, yes. That's exactly what happens. Which, by the way, you're if you're were, if you're
1: playing along at home, that is Luke six, Ephesia, uh, Luke six, Colossians two, and Ephesians four in order. But the Ephesians four one is the mm-hmm. most obvious one. You're supposed to be anchored in Christ, not driven about like a ship that has lost its anchor. Mm-hmm. That's now that starts with thinking and evaluating. That's in opposition to the worldly thinkers right. who just see and react mm-hmm.
0: see and like react. Right.
1: unreasoning animals. Yeah. I mean. <clears throat> this is always one of those you've, you've never had that moment right you ever looked at your dog and be like i wonder what he's thinking <laughs> he's not
2: he's not yeah. he's not
1: trust me i have a big doofus of a foof i have a saint bernard that i look at and it's like there is there's nothing my daughter will be like everyone's my daughter is like i did well could he hurt his brain I'm like there is no brain it's fluff and cinder blocks in between his ears that's it unreasoning animal
2: did you ever see that movie up
1: i know of it i've not seen all of it i've seen parts of it at the pediatrician
2: there's a dog that has this device and he's like i love you master <laughs> that's what i picture my dog saying when he looks at me yes he's, but at
1: the end of the day we laugh about that but why do we have to talk for the dog because he's an unreasoning animal
2: oh of course yeah
1: like you can't give your dog a math problem and be like hey work that out bud he's gonna be like huh Was it be i don't have any thumbs <laughs>
2: My wife came home the other day with really cold hands oh, no. and decides she's going to put her hands on, on my skin underneath my shirt. Women, why do you do that? I, I don't understand, but it was funny. It was really cold, and I was like, oh, and I'm backing off, but my dog's in his kennel, and he lets out this yelp, and he says, I'm trying to help. It sounds like he's saying, I'm trying to help you.
1: <laughs> like, stop hurting Dad.
2: Yeah, but you got me locked up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Again. He has no idea what's going on because no. he can't reason through. He can't decipher the situation. Right. He doesn't – this is what paganism looks like in the world. And by, believe it's me, I'm, foolishness. I'm we're of building, we are building a foundation here that will be important for you later. So mm-hmm. this is what they look like. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Let's stop. What's the way of Cain? Rejecting of the proper sacrifice, rejecting of the proper heart orientation before God. And a P- Pick your sin, yeah. and because of that, sin which is crouching at his door devours him yes because he's not what he's not careful he's not mindful and he's not watchful so he's not careful about how he's living he's not mindful of his thoughts and heart condition and therefore he's not watchful for the way that he's living he doesn't value any of those things sin devours him he kills his brother and you know the rest of the story yes for pay they have rushed headlong into the error of balaam now, remember Balaam. This was the name I couldn't think of last week.
2: Right, yeah, I was just thinking that.
1: Balaam is the prophet hired by Balak mm-hmm. to come and curse Israel. Balaam mounts the donkey, rides off, and, you know, almost gets his butt killed by an angel, and his donkey saves him. And then God has the unreasoning animal communicate the message to explain to him, no, you speak what I tell you to speak, when I tell you to speak, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. I made you. Basically, God gives him, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out speech. <laughs>
2: I love that, yes. I mean,
1: isn't that a spare summary? heard that many
2: times in my life.
1: <laughs> usually, from a, usually from a short woman holding a belt, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I brought you into this world, boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's basically the speech Balaam gets. So what does Balaam do? He shows up, tells Balak, I will only say what the Lord has to say, mm-hmm. and goes out there and blesses them from every point and pillar and mountain peak that Balak puts him on. And then, when he's done... Sneaks off to the side, cashes the check anyway, and be like, hey, now that I've blessed them on behalf of God, if you really want to get them to fall away, this is what you do.
2: Yeah.
1: And Balak does that in Israel's sins against God. It but just but just process if you're Balaam. This is the this is the folly here for money. The money was too good. Balaam was like, Well, you know, I should do what God said. God almost killed me. He had the dumb animal save my butt. I spoke the prophecy, but you know, I mean, while I'm here and he's holding the cash. Mm-hmm. I can I can, you know, explain. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's what an unreasoning animal in paganism actually looks like. You know the truth. That's a good picture. You know what would be good for you. Yeah. You know what you're supposed to do, and you know what? I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it anyway.
2: Yeah, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness.
1: Yeah. Why do you think we have to put cones on the dog? I'm serious. <laughs> the
2: cone of shame. Yes, because the Because they, they will, whatever it is that they're picking at, they will because continue to it, do that. Stop
1: licking that spot on your back that they just did the surgery or whatever on. If you keep licking it, it's going to get infected, and the dog just looks at you, turns around and licks it. Mm -hmm. You have to protect the dog from itself. Just like humanity knows what is good for human flourishing. Mm -hmm. We know what is good for economic prosperity. We know what is good for families and individuals. What are we going to do? The exact opposite. Why? It feels good, man. Unreasoning animals. Paganism corrupts and destroys not just some things. All the things. And they have rushed headlong. I'm sorry, I read that part. And perished in the rebellion of Korah. Just remember the rebellion of Korah. All the people are holy Moses. Not just you. Right. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Um, I'm the dude God took up the mountain. I'm the dude that God called in the wilderness. I'm the dude He gave the staff to. I'm the dude He commanded you to do the miracles. I'm the dude who's sitting here arguing with you people every day in and day out. I'm the dude who doesn't want to do this job, but I do it because God makes me. Yeah.
2: What well, do you mean? M- Moses was so humble that he didn't. He didn't argue. But the minute she said that. Leprosy struck her, right?
1: No, that's, that's Miriam. Miriam. Korah is the one where they they align everybody. Never mind. And,
2: yes, 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 they, yes. But you
1: are right. No, that's Aaron and Miriam. Yeah, mm-hmm. same problem. Yeah. But yeah, cora the ground swallows them whole. And then my favorite part of that whole story, the Israelites yeah, opens up on them. Yeah. The ground opens up, swallows cora and his entire clan, and the ground closes up around them. And then the Israelites are mad at Moses because the judgment has fallen upon them. Oh my goodness! I'm like, seriously, people. This is – yeah. And I don't have the heater on. It's not my fault. It's just the thermostats are on. I mean, the God judges Korah, and the people are like, can you believe Moses did this to them? It's like, Mo, this is Moses is like, what have you done? Why, 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 why? What did I, Moses got to be sitting in the corner going, what did I do to you? I was in the desert. I was fine. I was married, had a couple of kids, raising my sheep. I, it was a good <clears throat> life. It was a good day. It was quiet. It was peaceful. Now I'm here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> these people
1: yeah i get moses Mo- moses was just like i like i'm tired I'm tired <laughs> all right i lost my spot where are we here we go 13 right these are the men who are the hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear caring for themselves clouds without water carried along by winds autumn trees without fruit doubly dead uprooted so take those one at a time Hidden reefs. You don't like hidden reefs if you are ever on a sailing ship. You want to know where the reef is so that you don't crash into it. Clouds carried along without water. Oh, look, we need rain. It's a drought. It'd be nice if those clouds would drop some rain. Stupid clouds. No water. Yeah, Yeah, they're useless. (laughs) Autumn trees without fruit, which is when trees are supposed to be producing fruit. All of these things are just what? Useless. Just useless. And not only are they useless, they're actually demoralizing vanity Vanity, just like they make everything worse that reef was probably beautiful until we crashed into it but Mm -hmm. we couldn't see the stupid thing and it's not on a map Mm -hmm. dumb reef clouds would have been nice if they brought some rain but they're not there so they're they're worse than nothing because they got our hopes up that something might be developing and then they're nothing or the the autumn trees that are full bloom and flower in the spring and nice leaves during the leaves during the summer and then Like We had all our hopes up. We were counting on this. You're worse than nothing. You're corrupting and you're destructive of people's hope and faith. That's what foolish paganism creates. Mm. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Now that's my favorite. Mm. Wild waves of the sea casting up their own shame like foam. See the sea when it's all wild and dangerous. You know that it's dangerous. You know that it's actually producing something that could be deadly to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: These people aren't producing something that's deadly to you. They're producing something that's deadly to themselves. For sure. What's what's their danger? Our own shame. Just process. Have you ever not? Have you ever looked at the world in the last fifteen years? And be like, is there no shame left? And the answer is no, because self awareness is completely dead. Yeah. People have no idea, and that's what they that's what they brag about. That's what they're holding front and center is their wickedness and their depravity and everything.
2: Yeah. You ever watched uh, the show Leave it to Beaver?
1: Oh, yes. My wife loves it. She catches old episodes on random
2: I, channel. I, I love watching that show. If it's ever on, I watch it. But I I think it's an interesting picture of our culture and the morals of our society Uh in, in, you know in a tv show because yeah. you know the mom and dad they slept in separate beds and the, and the and the language that the, the the boys used and the mother and and, and dad's
1: and, always dressed like he's getting ready to go to work
2: right right and and there's this, this reverence for you know their mother and their father and 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 just all these values that we used to hold very dear but we
1: have iPhones, so we know those aren't any good
2: right google has told us the truth right that <laughs> google
1: hey alexa just, just explain depravity for me <laughs> what do you mean, Dave? I don't know what you're doing, Dave. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: But yeah, I mean, if you put, if, in contrast, you turn on a TV today and man, oh man, you, you'd you be hard pressed not to turn on uh, any station and see something that's not right.
1: And, and not only are we waving it around, we are proud of it. Oh, yeah. It, we think it's our crowning glory as humanity that we are now free to do this and to. As what was it, Madonna, who famously explained exclaimed to express ourselves. Express yourself. <laughs> and
2: she was really kind of.
1: She was one of the forerunners of this. Yeah, yeah well, she go, was. Go back but to the 80s.
2: she was kind of re- compared to what she says and does today, like in the uh, the what was it called the. Um, it was the Emmys right or the Grammys? Grammys. The Grammys recently, she was on there. I didn't watch it, but I, there was a lot of fallout because of it, and that's what I've watched is the fallout yeah. videos. But there, she was up there doing and saying horrible things, oh, and wow. and then then they had these this non-binary well, guy, play, and I, I mean, everything is just crazy upside down.
1: Play something. from Madonna's outrageous stuff from the eighties today, and you know people would go.
0: Eh.
1: Mm-hmm. That's where we are. And again, right. that's what we hold up. And that's why this last clause is my favorite. Yeah, Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. You're a star that has come out of its orbit. Yep. You have lost your sun. You have lost where you're supposed to be. And where do you go? To a black hole. To nothing.
2: Yeah. To just... Thing. I mean, there's no gravity. I mean, I it's think a, that's what they're talking about here, right? I mean, well, black I mean, darkness? But, but even just, what, whatever. just space. Yeah. The, yeah.
1: The, the infinity, it feels like, of space.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. This is judgment. Yeah. You are this bright, shining star. You're going to do what you want, the way you want. Enjoy judgment. Enjoy this judgment. is very
2: reminiscent to a lot of the um, Hebrew poetry. Well, you yeah. got the parallelisms and and the uh, uh, the repeated phrases said in different ways to 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 show you and to kind of demonstrate the gravity of the situation. And that's what Paul's. Not surprising yeah. for
1: a Jewish Christian right. centered around Judea who yeah. would have been anchored into a lot of the work of the temple. Of Not course. surprising of in the course. least.
2: Of course, but the, I'm just saying the, oh, no, the, I agree. the the rhetoric or the the way that they use language was very poetic and very you, you, you had he's he's painting a picture for you like like you and I are trying to do right now, and this is this is what he painted, you know, the yeah. <laughs> wandering stars.
1: Yeah, into you know. nothingness. Into well, nothingness. For all your wisdom mm-hmm. that isn't really wisdom. For all your pride, which is nothing you should be proud about. What will it produce for you? The answer is judgment. Judgment, because you have shaken your fist at God. You have forsaken the rightness of His ways, and you are warring against Him. Well, at the end of the day. God wins this battle, not you. God mm. does. Right. So. All right, why do we tell you that story? Do you want you want do you want do you want the byline first? Sure. Okay. It's too good. All right. It's just too good. This is an op-ed in the Princeton University. Was this it it was Princeton, right? Yeah, it was Princeton. The uh the Princetonian or something is it? I'm just going to remind you of this. The first seven presidents of Princeton were Presbyterian pastors. Wow. Oh. Jonathan Edwards was a president of Princeton. I'm kidding. B.B. Warfield okay. was a president of Princeton. Right. It has produced some of the greatest minds. It was, during the First Great Awakening, the, the central hub of gospel-centeredness and strict theology— that anchored the first Great Awakening, the only really good awakening in American history, by the way, that anchored the Great Awakening not on emotionalism but on actual goodness in theology. Mm -hmm. That was Princeton, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Emily Santos is a prospective physics major in the class of 2025, also pursuing certificates in gender and sexuality studies and Portuguese language and cultures.
2: Wow, that was a very random list of things there. but always includes the gender stuff.
1: Physics and gender. I'm guessing with a name like Santos, she probably has, maybe she's has some Brazilian lineage or something like that. Maybe that explains the Portuguese language and cultures. Mm-hmm. But So I, I, I sort of give that one a pass. Mm-hmm. But physics and gender studies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that's a popular double major. I have a cousin with a bachelor's and a master's and a PhD in physics, actually. He had a double bachelor's degree, too, in physics and mathematics. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I'd even, like, let physics and Latin slide. Physics and gender studies. Double-minded, unstable in all their ways. Yeah, that's pretty strange. Wandering darkness, roaring foam. I mean, this is... what this is, What's up mean? What's down? Ooh, you know question we should ask Miss Santos? What is a woman?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we'd like her answer, but...
1: Oh, of course, we're probably in trouble right now because we've just assumed her gender.
2: Ouch. Shame Might be a G or a, or a J
1: or a whatever their pronoun is of the week. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. We need to have weekly pronouns. Oh, no. <laughs> See what hmm. we can come up with. <laughs> New homework, children. All right. Let's read part of this op-ed. I have most of it up here. <clears throat> Towards the end, it devolves into even more insanity, and I couldn't help it anymore, so I just stopped. But American systems of legal administration enact violence against minority populations. Oh, I did not cut off the beginning of her op-ed. That is her opening salvo. Okay. American systems of legal administration enact violence against minority populations. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, self... Would you like to prove that? And the answer is going to be no. No, she doesn't want to prove that.
2: See, that's the interesting thing about our society and the way we've devolved is you can say anything you want and, and don't even think about telling me to prove it.
1: I mean, this is insane, but that's, that's, a, that's an underlying – that's what we call a presupposition. Yep. That is an underlying assumption. The big fancy Latin term would be a priori. So this is a before-the-thing thing. thing. Because we could probably spend an entire hour talking about that, but we've got to move on. Examining and reconsidering these structures, such as the criminal justice system, is a crucial part of anti-racist action. See, the system is bad. Well, how do we know the system is bad? Because it does bad things. Therefore, it's bad. So we have to dismantle it. Black and African-American men make up—see if you can catch the red herring here, children— Black and African-American men make up 13.6% of the population, yet 38.4% of the prison population in the United States. In addition, they are the victims in 22% of fatal shootings, make up 47% of exonerations based on wrongful convictions, and are 35% of individuals sentenced to and executed by the death penalty. You know what one one percentage isn't actually there? What's that? What's the crime rate amongst black and African-American populations? right. Because I don't care what their population, what their percentage of the overall population is. I would care what their overall percentage of the criminal population is. Mm-hmm. Then you could tell me if they're unfairly represented in the prison population.
2: Right. <laughs> no, that's that's an important aspect that people are. Uh are not adding to any—I mean, this is not the first article that's oh, no. like this, but they all do the same thing. Like you said, they, they pull out this red herring, and, and they start this, giving you these statistics, and then they don't even give you the most important one.
1: Don't panic about their numbers. This minority group is overrepresented in the prison population. Does this minority group overrepresent the amount of crime that's committed? Because typically, urban black and African-American culture, unfortunately— does commit the vast majority. Oh, no, well, but of that's crimes. our fault too. So. Oh, I'm sure. Well, that's yeah. part of the uh, the criminal justice and racist Repent action. Repent of your whiteness. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only like two thirds of my people are even white, really. Yeah, I know. it. I'm a quarter Italian for crying out loud. They're I know ba- Do they? Are they even white?
2: Hey, we had to sit on the back of the bus. We couldn't go to the same schools that all the regular white folks went to. Uh, there was lots of stuff like that going on in the 50s. And I'm
1: half Irish.
2: 60s. Even amongst the well, white
1: people, we're like the redheaded stepchildren. The
2: Irish were even lucky to make it over See? here. They tried to kill you on the way over here. See?
1: See, I'm proof the United Nations was a good idea, apparently. I'm English, Irish, and Italian. <laughs> which, which means somewhere along the way, some Irish people were like, maybe those English aren't all bad. That one's kind of cute.
2: <laughs> um, You know, the, the, the English right of. Uh, they take the first. You know, with the a the wife.
1: <laughs> it's good to be the king. <laughs> that was with the Scots, though. Okay. I think, if oh. I'm remembering correctly. Okay. Because the Irish should just put a bomb in your car, <laughs> the Irish should just blow you up if they feel like it. We're a weird lot. Yes. The criminal justice system also unfairly targets and disproportionately oppresses those in poverty. Bet you didn't know that. Mm. Which doubly disadvantages black and ethnic minorities as race correlates with poverty in the United States. See, you're poor because you're black. Or are you black because you're poor? What? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Discrimination on the basis of race and wealth are not only written into American laws and constitutions, again, we're not going to prove that, we're just going to assume that it's true, but also permeates small-scale systems that model the criminal justice system, okay? Princeton's honor code, tasked with holding students accountable and honest in academic settings, who would want such a thing, mirrors the criminal justice system in its rules and effects, so Crim- Princeton modeled their honor system on the American criminal justice system because that actually makes sense. Because right. Princeton was a- Princeton was actually founded before there was an American criminal justice system. So Princeton's system is actually modeled on English common law. Okay. Which would be I mean Princeton was here before America was here. It was there were still colonies when Princeton was founded. Jonathan Edwards I think died in 1755 1758. and he was president of the university at the time yeah so a little bit before 1776 so yeah Mm -hmm. Um, it is harmful to the entirety of the Princeton community the fear it instills in students fosters an environment of academic hostility but it is often most damaging for first generation low income students students who are also who also often belong to racial minorities this is where it gets so good you ready Mm. because this is the argument for the hatefulness of Princeton you ready Princeton, as an institution that aims to educate world leaders and brands itself with social justice discourse, so well, there was their first mistake, must first address the existing parallels between the criminal justice system and these smaller scale systems we subscribe to. You ready for what? This is what we got to examine. You ready? All right. We specifically we must re-examine the role of the honor code and honor committee in our community. The university should lead by example by dismantling the honor code system which acts as a barrier to social mobility in more equitable and a more equitable society. Only once such internal injustices are addressed can we make real world changes. Hmm. I mean, by the way, here I want you I'm going to skip a paragraph real quick because these are the parallels she wants gone. Okay. The process of, the process of reporting and investigating an honor code breach parallels the criminal justice system by mimicking processes of questioning, evidence gathering, witness depositions and an eventual an eventual move to trial or hearing. These are bad. These disadvantage minorities and low-income students. Questioning, evidence gathering, witness depositions, and eventual move to trial. So we asked questions. We received answers. We gathered the evidence to support the answers. We interviewed witnesses that could corroborate or discount the evidence. Mm-hmm. And then once we've assembled all of this, we held a hearing to determine what was true and right and good. That is racist. Mm. Yeah, critical race theory at its best. But Do you see why I say the truth isn't out there anymore? Yeah. That's... This is messed up. That's the scientific method applied to logic and reason. That's what the criminal justice system is supposed to be, mm-hmm. is the scientific method applied to logic and reason. Yeah. What do we do? Well, we have a problem here. Party A has wronged party B. Okay, stop. How do we know that? Well, here's the wrong that was committed. Okay, how did that harm you? Here's the problem. Okay, what is the redress? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we know party A did it? investigation see but do you see why I say this right, uh, this is the right. scientific method applied to logic and reason right. it's asking questions yeah. so I will back up a paragraph again just because this works previous reporting on the honor code has shown the negative effects of the honor code process on first in first uh, generation low-income students there can be financial social and academic repercussions when caught up in the honor code system, First-generation, low-income students may not have the institutional knowledge on how to navigate such a process in the same way their white and wealthier counterparts might. See, how could you expect these poor minorities to be smart enough to know how the legal system works? I mean, they're not white and wealthy. How they're, could they possibly they're, know? They're
2: unequally yoked, for one, as far as this idea, but, but, it, but it, they're raging against God and Every aspect because – I mean, Leviticus 19.15 talks about not
1: showing partiality to the poor or – Oh, I know, and they would argue that that's right, but don't miss the unreasoning animal being destroyed by what they're railing against. Who's the racist here? My answer is the scientific method applied to logic and reason is the only way to ensure that there are not two different scales of justice for the rich and the poor for the educated and the non-educated. Because by asking simple questions and pursuing a line of reasoning that will lead us to the truth and then redressing any problem as it has been proven by method ensures that justice is done, right? Yes, I would agree. What's her argument? Her argument is you following that method disadvantages poor minorities because those poor minorities are 't able to navigate the system the way rich white people can who's the racist again?
2: <laughs> it's, it's her
1: unreasoning animals destroyed yeah. by the things they're reviling against yeah, yeah this is that's what it looks like this is an internally inconsistent point simply because it can't be con- internally consistent because it is just rage yeah. it is just anger against God and the way things actually are yeah
2: Enmity extreme hatred yes right. mm-hmm.
1: yes. I mean, that's, that, that sentence right there, it was just like mind blowing to me because it, it encapsulates what Judah's warning you against that you are reviling authority. You are reviling the angelic majesties. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to quote I'm just going to read it real Let's quick. It. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things, they are destroyed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, this woman doesn't understand what the scientific method is and how it's supposed to function and how it actually brings fairness. And because she doesn't understand it, she's waging war against it. And as she's waging war against it, those very same standards are going to do what? Destroy her. Yeah. Because what are the standards by which she will be judged?
2: That's the folly of paganism. Yes. yes, it is. And it's it's foolishness to think that you're going to have it your own way. This and is not working. Yeah, and, and, and you're not going to have any kind of punishment in the end. I mean, it, these these people really have bought into the lie, but deep down, I think Paul's right. They know.
1: Oh, I know they know. They That's know. That's the beauty of it. If you'd like, if you'd like to put the two ideas together, this is what wandering down the street to the harlot's house looks like yeah, in beautiful. an academic yes. setting. Yes. She's doing it. The very thing. Yes. This is what it looks like to rhetorically or metaphorically wander down the road to the harlot's house this is it in real time you're you're hearing it we reject the truth we reject wisdom we reject systems that have produced the most fairness in all of human history mm-hmm. in without what what's being offered have you noticed that part too at the end of the day what is sin do corrupts it corrupts and destroys and what does it corrupt and destroy everything what is she doing right here We'll corrupt the system. What are we going to replace it with? It doesn't matter. As long as... It's not that system. As long as it's not that. As long as we destroy. Mm -hmm. In the same way a criminal record haunts previous convicts, any honor code violation for which a student is found responsible follows them in their transcript. Oh, gee. why, Why would we not do that? Overshadowing the accomplishments of attaining a Princeton degree and making it difficult for students to find employment opportunities. One, I doubt there's a whole lot of starving Princeton students. or Princeton graduates for the, for the first part. Two, it's because an honor code violation discounts your degree. That's why it's there. That's why it's on your transcript. Oh, you have an honor code violation. Your degree is looked at suspect because you cheated. You cheated. You didn't earn it. Yep. Now, you ready for this? She wants things like well maybe the um, maybe one of your professors can attach a letter to your transcript to talk about how you've overcome these things um, The reason why there is um, questioning and depositions and, um,
2: find out what's going on
1: and questioning of witnesses and moving to trial and gathering evidence you know why that's there so that when you go to an employer and they pull your transcript and they go you have an honor code violation yes yes i do and i would like you to actually look at that process i would like you to pull those records and see how it was handled and see that i did not actually do anything wrong because they will have evidence if your case is that good and you were railroaded what will exist
2: nothing no 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 evidence against you Right.
1: Which means if they pull all that evidence and they look at the depositions and they actually look at the evidence that was gathered and presented against you in a fair and open trial before the student council or whatever body Princeton uses, you can bring that. You evaluate it. And see how I was railroaded. And an employer can then look at that evidence and do what? Make a decision based on look those. Look at that. Rather than, no, my favorite professor wrote me a letter of recommendation that goes against this honor code violation. Why well, I want you to look at this emotional piece as opposed to that. We're rejecting the truth in favor of some other lie. How you feel or what you believe or what you would prefer. you see why I say when Uh, I I say the truth is no longer out there? Yeah, it's no longer there. Because when you enter into a pagan world, what are we sacrificing? It's not just... See, this is what people lose, Christian. This is why I always tell you that the rising tide raises all boats. Because when you reject God, you don't just reject salvation. You reject the only innate goodness that exists in this world. And you reject the only alien goodness that human beings can possibly possess. The understanding of an altruistic society is an understanding of a society that is built upon biblical principles that incentivizes that altruism. It incentivizes honor and truth and things of that nature. When you remove the foundation for those things, you remove the incentivization of those things and you eventually will create a system that disincentivizes those things. Removing all of those structures from the honor code system, you know, that's actually going to create more cheating
2: more cheating. Yeah, for sure. It'll be
1: easier to get away with it. It'll be easier to discount it because it's, it's, because we've established this.
2: Right. It's interesting how she draws parallels to that and and the people that are wrongfully imprisoned and the people who are, you know, the black minority. Now,
1: why do we have so many people who are wrongfully imprisoned? Because her rules are being applied in our prison. Uh, that, system. That's a
2: brilliant. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, we have a corrupt system as well.
1: What was the, What's I mean, the original? Are, I mean— Oh, and we, we just— I just had this argument. Yeah, we just had this argument. We just had, talked about this. We, um, what was the original supposition of our justice system? What, do, you, do you remember the line? It's a great line. I was taught it in my civics classes. Our system is structured so that we would rather that nine guilty men go free— Than one innocent man be punished.
2: Right. Yeah, I remember hearing that.
1: We look at it now and say what? The opposite. No, we'd rather punish one guilty man than let nine the one non-guilty man than let nine guilty men go free. We'd rather punish that innocent man. And we do, Mm -hmm. constantly. Why? Because there is no truth. There is no veracity. There is no altruism. And I know veracity is another word for truth. There is no higher calling in any of this thing. It is simply We want conviction. Why? Because this is the evidence the police brought us and we're convinced. You have a broken system because you have broken people and there is no longer a foundation upon which Mm. the morality that you would prefer in your society to be built. Now, Christian, what's the cure for this? You can't argue up here. Oh, that's dumb that you want to remove, you know, evidence gathering. Yes, it is dumb. But the problem is the foundation. The problem is what structures a person to go, you know what I'd like to study? I'd like to get a degree in physics from Princeton University. I'd like an Ivy League degree in physics and gender studies. Gender and sexuality studies. I mean, I can actually cover that topic relatively quickly, but I'm not in the mood to do it politely right now, so I'm going to refrain. (laughs)
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, just realize that we have entire college degrees now structured around what should be a binary. There's guys and girls. That's how this works. And then there's some the very very small percentage of some very unfortunate people who have seen the corruption of sin enter into even their flesh before they were born. Because what does sin do? It corrupts, it corrupts. and destroys, and it corrupts and destroys everything. Yeah. Everything.
2: Yeah, but, they're they're in denial of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. They don't care about truth. They they want to hide in the darkness.
1: And at the end of the day. Their hiding and their lying is meant to produce for them a cover because they can't stand that anything else.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, one of the takeaways that I'm getting from all of this and every time we come together and talk <laughs> is is that the world is is going to continue in, in the trajectory that is heading, but we as believers need to double down and disciple our children and be about the Word of God all the time mm-hmm. and, and, and studying truth. And, and and that's how the tides will rise is yes. when we disciple our children yes. and they won't forget what we taught them when they grow older and, and enter into these institutions that have no moral okay. compasses.
1: Again, what's your first ministry? Your first ministry Your first ministry is, begins at home yeah. and it starts with you and works out to those that you have influence on it. Again, this is why build your strong Christian community. Be part of a strong Christian community. And if you're not part of one, find one. Right. And you better do it. Quickly, this insanity is not going away.
2: And, and it also, it also brings a, a level of gratitude in my heart when I when I read these things, and I'm appalled by what I'm reading. But I'm also grateful to God that my eyes have been opened. I'm not blind to this. I can see the folly uh, and the foolishness of this pagan worldview. That is just, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. It leads down the path of destruction. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing more harm to the people they're trying to help mm-hmm. than any good. And I think that's intentional.
1: I don't think it's intentional. Yeah. I'm, down, I'm with You were a liar from the beginning because mm-hmm. he's a liar.
2: Yep, and a murderer. Yeah. Right.
1: So what have we learned here today, children? Yeah. Everything is stupid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm giggling at.
1: I mean, <clears throat> every, what is it Great punchline. Everything. 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 Worldly thinking produces exactly zero hope or truth. And just to piggyback on a political idea, or change for that matter, sorry. At the end of the day, Christian, the last thing, we must anchor our lives upon Christ. Because only there do we have hope. Only there can we find the truth. Only there can we be redeemed. And only there can we be strengthened to actually deal with this insanity on a daily basis. And that's to piggyback off your point. Mm -hmm. Anchor everything upon Christ because it is only in Christ that we are truly, truly free. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.